My first flight on an airplane was getting on one to fly out to the Air Force Academy to hopefully become a pilot. Wow. So, so I'm really glad I, li- I'm glad I like the flight, or it would have been really disappointing to get all the way out here and have to turn around and go back. But. Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Ministers. I'm your host, Kevin McDonald, joined always by Alec Robson. Hey, how are you today? Doing well yourself? I'm uh, doing great, thank you. Yep, sun shining. You got some coffee. I saw that. I know I had coffee. I don't know if the sun's shining. We're in a room with no windows. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is very true. <laughs> anyway, we are at Northwest Church of Christ, and we are so very excited to introduce Mr. Byron, Mike Byron. He was baptized in October of 1972 in Colorado Springs. Mike has served for many congregations in various roles all over the place for years. Mr. Byron has been at the Northwest Church of Christ for 28 years and served in many different roles here. Mr. Byron, we are so happy that you're joining us on our podcast today. I'm excited to be with you. And thank you for taking our call and, you know, hopping in both feet right away. Oh, my yeah. pleasure. <laughs> I'm thrilled with what you're doing. This is great. Let's just hop right in then. Okay. How were you brought up? Uh, raised in a pretty typical middle-class family back east in Maryland, um, we were actually a Catholic family, so I was raised Catholic. My mom was in charge of our spiritual development. Dad wasn't too involved in all that, uh, so she took us to church. Uh, but pretty pretty typical American family. Yep. In Maryland, you said? Yes, in Maryland. Yeah. A lot of lobster over there? Yeah, well, yeah. we ate a lot of seafood out of the <laughs> Chesapeake Bay. Loved it. Yep, that's yeah. actually one of the places on my bucket list. I want oh, to go check my. it out. Yeah, yeah great seafood. Yep. So brought up there, what are some of your fond memories of Maryland? Oh, uh, I had an idyllic childhood, um, got to play a lot, uh, a lot of sports, swimming's big in Maryland, big swimming state, Michael Phelps, um, yeah. so we all swam, raced, uh, we all played lacrosse, uh, I thought everyone in the country played lacrosse, it wasn't until I went to college I realized it's only kind of a Maryland and New York sport, or it was back then, <laughs> uh, but I thought every kid had a lacrosse stick, um, but no, uh, just a wonderful childhood. Um, I'm very grateful to both my parents for a wonderful upbringing. Um, uh, they were very caring. Um, education was a big thing with them, uh, being a good boy in school. And I'm gr- I didn't like it then, but I'm grateful for it now. Yep. Any siblings? Uh, I'm the third of four. So I have an older sister, older brother, and a younger brother who's... Uh, Actually, taking care of my mom, who's still alive back in Maryland, same house we grew up in. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that must be crazy to walk back into that house. It is. Yeah, it's really the only house I remember, and yeah. and uh, she's still there, ninety three years old, just doing great. That's great. So, what brought you out of Maryland? Uh, college. Uh, when I was in ninth grade, um, I uh, decided I wanted to uh, join the Air Force and try to become a pilot. Uh, I had no idea how you do that. Um, saw these airplanes on TV. The Vietnam War was going on and there you'd see these fighter jets flying around. And I remember saying to my dad, Hey, I'd like to do that. I don't know who, I didn't know who's flying them. He said, well, you got to join the military to do that. I said, okay. How do I do that? Well, you probably need to go to either the Naval Academy or the Air Force Academy. All right. 
how do I do that? (laughs) (laughs) He had a friend who uh, was a lieutenant colonel in the uh, Air Force Reserve, and he got a hold of a catalog. Back in the days of paper, we had every college had a catalog, and the catalog was like a rule book or an instruction book, like a recipe. Said, take these classes in ninth grade, take these classes in tenth grade, take the eleventh, twelfth, do these things. Here's the letters you need to write, dear honorable blank, and gave you the text of the letter, who to write to. You follow this instruction manual, and uh, by the grace of God, it, it worked, and uh, ended up uh, getting accepted to the Air Force Academy here in Colorado. And uh, what's odd about it, I had never been on an airplane before in my life. <laughs> my first flight on an airplane was getting on one to fly out to the Air Force Academy to hopefully become a pilot. Wow. So, so I'm really glad I, li- I'm glad I liked the flight, or it would have been really disappointing to get all the way out here and have to turn around and go back. But uh, yeah, that's how I got out of, Col- out of Maryland and into Colorado. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Mine's the reverse of that. So I'd never been to the ocean, and uh, I joined the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I grew up on the ocean and joined the Air Force. Yeah, came landlocked. Yeah. <laughs> so... All of that worked. Obviously, that instilled a work ethic and, you know, a desire to do that. Yet, to stick with it for four years, you were you were committed. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a long, miserable four years, but I'm very yeah. grateful for it. My yeah. dad was a big encouragement. He had gone to a military college, VMI. Okay. Uh, and uh, so he knew what it was like um, and uh, was very helpful in encouraging me to stick with it yeah. you know, when you want to give up. So how was the Air Force Academy? Uh, it's pretty long, four <laughs> years, you know, uh, but, uh, but I am extremely grateful to God for it. It has blessed my life, um, immeasurably. Um, so very, very thankful I went there and have some very dear lifelong friends, um, from my time at the academy. Uh, the training was wonderful. The education was just amazing and the friendships are priceless. So, and Ended up becoming a Christian out there. Yeah, wow, nice. So, any good stories from the Air Force Academy? Yeah, did you ever fly a plane? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Yeah, oh. ultimately did end up getting to fly a plane, so that was exciting. <laughs> yeah, but as far as going through the academy, you know, as a, a cadet. Yep. Yep. Any stories from that? Um, I, none that I think would be necessarily all that interesting. It's just that uh, uh, very rigorous four years and. Uh, uh, you learn how to fold your underwear properly and uh, your socks and and shine your shoes. And, um, and of course, you learn a great deal um, academically as well. Um, a great deal about leadership and character uh, and integrity. Uh, so it's really a, a, a whole package. It's uh, They're not just uh, focusing on your academics or your athletics or your leadership, but uh, everything. Your character. Character development is huge. You play any sports for the academy? No, I, I did a lot of intramurals, swam a lot, uh, raced water polo, water polo, and uh, um, you have to do sports the whole time you're there. There's, it's not an option to not do that, um, but uh, not intercollegiate. Okay. So you became a Christian while in Carl Springs, as far as baptized New Testament. Yeah, I, uh, I was raised Catholic, as I mentioned, and... Uh, um, in high school, my junior year, a group called Young Life came into my high school and started holding these devos for the kids. It was more of a social thing, and it, but it was fun. So I started going to those. All my friends were going. It was a great time to 
hang out with them Thursday nights, and we sang songs and had devos. And, and uh, having grown up Catholic, I thought, well, you're born in America, you're Catholic, you're a Christian. It's, it's, that's all you need. Mm-hmm. They kind of made it clear, no, there's probably more to it than, than that. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, and I made more of a commitment for God and for Jesus as a result. So I'm very grateful to them for that initial introduction into the free gift of salvation. Um, I don't necessarily share some of the same views today on how we say yes to that free gift, but I'm grateful for that initial introduction. And uh, so I came out to the Air Force Academy thinking, I'm, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm devoted to God, and wanted to go to church. So started going to uh, churches, and it didn't matter where, just go wherever it says church, and uh, stumbled into... Uh, Church of Christ, what was then the Central Church of Christ. I was so impressed that everybody's walking around with a Bible in their hands. I wasn't used to that growing up Catholic, and the priest told you what was in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had a big one at home, but uh, nobody could carry that one around. Um, so I was very impressed with that. Turns out there's a Bible study going on in the library on Thursday nights um, by one of the elders, he, who was also a lieutenant colonel, chemistry professor, uh, Colonel Low King. Um, as a freshman, you're only allowed to be two places in the evening, in your room or the library or en route by the most direct route. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's it. So Bible study was in the library. <laughs> so I started going to that, and um, Colonel King kind of pointed out that, that God uh, has a way in which we are to say yes to this free gift. And he said, do you say yes to the free gift when you say, yes, I want to be baptized into Jesus and accept this free gift of salvation? So I realized there, there maybe was a little more to it that I had not yet done. And uh, to my surprise, uh, when I told him, I, you know, Colonel, I think I need to be baptized, um, he made a phone call, and off we went to church on Thursday night. Well, you're not allowed to leave that place <laughs> as a freshman. I, I thought, well, Sunday when I go to church, they'll do this. No, no, he made a call, and, and uh, we hop in his car, and off we go to the Central Church of Christ, and I'm baptized that Thursday. I may be the only freshman to leave the institution <laughs> on a school night. You um, found the loophole. Yeah, I found the loophole. <laughs> Just say you want to be baptized, and off you go. You get to get out. So, uh, yeah, that, that's how it all happened and started worshiping there. So you, you said it was the studying. Is there something particular that convicted you? Yeah, you know what he did? He, I shared with him, of course, that, yeah, I'm a Christian. I had pray Jesus into my heart. And uh, he said, well, tell you what, take your Bible and uh, look in the back and look at the word. There was a little concordance kind of thing in the back. Look at, just look at the word baptism in the pages and just go this week, go read all the verses that have that word in it. Come back next week, next Thursday. Seemed like a simple assignment. So looked them all up, read them and came back next Thursday and said, it's clear to me that I have not said yes to this free gift in the manner in which God wants me to say yes to this free gift. I need to be baptized. And that's really all it did. He let the Bible, that's one thing I loved about Colonel King, he let the Bible convict me mm-hmm. rather than him uh, trying to convict me. He recognized that the Word of God is more powerful than anything he could say. Yeah. And he just said, just go read the verses 
that you have the word yeah, baptism you, in it. You're intelligent. You, yeah. you can read through it, and yeah. you come and to your own, own conclusion. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm forever grateful to him for the manner in which he did it. I thought it was beautiful. So you are still in the Air Force Academy. Yep. When did you get on the pipeline for your job? Like, when does that actually happen? Well, uh, of course, you go through the whole four years, and um, uh, you have to do stuff over the summer. You don't get the summers off uh, in this college. Um, summer's divided into three three week sections. You get one of those three week sections off. The other two, you got to do stuff. And one of the things you could do was fly gliders, sailplanes. So that was my introduction flying. The end of my freshman year, got accepted in the glider program, and flew gliders that first year. Got my private pilot glider license. Was able to stay in that program in after school activities during the uh, sophomore year and continue to fly gliders and. Finally got a commercial license. And then that next summer was able to get an instructor license. And then the junior and seniors are the instructors for the freshmen. So I was able to fly gliders the whole four years I was there and was very, very grateful to that. I attribute to uh, any success I had in pilot training to God, but also to the, for allowing me to fly gliders. Um, you wouldn't think gliders would carry over to flying fighters. Yeah. But it actually does. Um, you come down in a glider like you do any airplane on a three-degree glide slope down to the runway. Every airplane flies a three-degree glide slope. It's just a matter of how fast you fly it. So I had seen that picture by the time I got to pilot training 500 times. I had just seen it in slow motion. So all I had to do when I got to pilot training was speed up the picture, uh, but fly that same uh, approach. And uh, it really gave me a, an edge uh, in pilot training. So I'm very grateful for the, uh, the glider time at the Air Force Academy. Did that, uh, as I say, the whole four years there. Uh, and other than that, you don't do a whole lot of flying. There's a little one class on, in a Cessna, what was then a Cessna 172, uh, just to see that you can have the basics of flying before they spend a great deal of money. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of a weeding out process. So, But other than that, not a lot of of flying, it's mostly academics there. After you graduate, then you go off to one year of pilot training at a base around the country. I went to Phoenix, Arizona, um, and uh, one year of pilot training there, and was fortunate enough to get a, an F-15 assignment, and then uh, a few more schools here and there, and flew F-15s during my time in the Air Force. You were just basically strapped to a rocket. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> I don't know how many times I shook my head and think, I'm 23 years old, and I'm sitting in this this amazing machine. It just seemed odd to me that they would give someone the keys. my age the keys to that thing. <laughs> but, uh, there are no keys. Yeah, yeah there are no keys. <laughs> was that <I> don't know. <laughs> yeah. So what was your call sign? Oh, it was Ty. Uh, and that came from a very dear friend of mine, um, he used to jokingly call me Tyrone Byrone, just a silly nickname. And uh, so when I, when I got into fighters, uh, my squadron mates wanted it to be Lord, Lord Byron, the poet. I said, no, I don't think, I'm not comfortable with the tactical call sign Lord. So I'm going to veto that one. And uh, it went with Ty. So uh, from, uh, from my friend Jack, uh, so that's how I got that. Not a glamorous one like Maverick or Goose or Iceman, <laughs> but Ty worked uh, just fine for me. Yeah. 
And what's uh, cool is I have a grandson now who's named Tyson, and my daughter picked that name because of my fighter call sign, Ty. So that's, that's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. So where did you meet your wife? Well, um, you know, when I, when I was baptized and started attending church there at Central. Central went away pretty shortly after that, and, and we went to Eastside Church. Uh, a different location than where it is now, but uh, her uncle, Ron Carter, preached there. Uh, her dad's brother. Uh, so Ron, just a wonderful, wonderful friend, and uh, he kind of took me under his wing, which I think is a wonderful, by the way, um, lesson. Uh, how many times have we seen people be baptized into Jesus, and they kind of get lost after that, and sometimes end up going elsewhere or falling away uh, because there's not a follow-up with them to, to mentor them. Yeah, that mentorship is so important. So important. So important. To, to keep people. Um, and Ron did just that. Um, uh, invited me in his home on Sundays after church and uh, just spend time with him. Uh, so I'm very grateful to Ron for that. We became very good friends. Uh, he looked after me as a, as a new Christian and, and helped guide me for three years. Freshman, uh, sophomore, and junior year. Finally, I guess after he had decided I was worthy enough, he, uh, he introduced me to his niece. Um, the end of my junior year, uh, her dad, Jack Carter, was a preacher here in, in uh, Denver area. Uh, so um, he set up a, a blind date with his niece, uh, Cherie, and uh, we drove up here, met her. and um, So that was the very end of my junior year, the summer, starting the summer before my senior year. And we uh, uh, dated here and there where we could. It's a little difficult because it's so busy down there. Uh, but got to know her and her family very well, her dad, Jack, uh, very well. Uh, would come up here on the weekends. You can get away more as a senior than you can as a freshman. You can actually <laughs> leave on the weekends. You have a car. You don't have to have a colonel's Maybe, approval. Yeah, yeah, you don't have the colonel make a phone call to get you out of there. Maybe that's why you waited. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually pretty grateful because I would have never seen her until then. But the senior year, we... we uh, Dated and then uh, 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 ended up getting married three days after graduation. I didn't rush into it like a lot of my classmates. You can't be married when you're a cadet. So a lot of them go straight from the tossing your hat in the air right up to the chapel same day, and there's a line. People getting married wow. for days. And I always joke with them, no, I didn't rush in like you guys. I waited three whole days before I got married. I had a real thinking. Yeah, I wanted to think this over. So, so, uh, so we got married. And so she went off of pilot training to Arizona with me and was wonderful. I am grateful to her. She, she was a big help in helping me do well in pilot training. Somebody told her they need to eat a healthy breakfast. So she would get up at 3.30 in the morning. Uh, when we had to report to work at 4.30, and she would make a full breakfast for me um, so I'd be well-fed before going to pilot training. Just was just uh, so sweet to me, and I wasn't perhaps as sweet to her as I could have been. I was so laser-focused. Um, I probably didn't take as good a care of her as she took care of me, but uh, was such a big help in, in uh, getting me through pilot training. Yeah. Where yeah. was your first duty station? Um well, after pilot training, there's some more, you know, more schools you go through, New Mexico and back to Phoenix for F-15 school. But my first active duty assignment after that was uh, the 1st Tactical Fighter Wing in Langley Air Force Base, Virginia, 71st Fighter Squadron. 
So very fond memories there. My son Michael was born there. My daughter Laura was born when we were in F-15 school um, and, uh, in, in Arizona. So just great memories there. Uh, a lot of them with my dear friend Jack, who gave me the call sign, he and his wife. So the four of us were very close, still are to this day. Uh, and that was in Langley and worshiped there with a wonderful congregation. Um, so, yeah, fond memories of Virginia. And then back to Phoenix. The next time it was teaching in the F-15 school that okay. I'd gone through. So yeah. right back to being an instructor. Yeah, back to being an instructor at F-15s in Arizona. So, yeah. yeah. So how many years did you serve total? Seven on active duty, then a few years in the reserves before finally uh, calling it quits for good. And then did you come right back here to Colorado? Yeah, came here to Colorado. My, my, uh, my wife's mom passed away. And so her dad, uh, Jack, was by himself. And that was a big factor in deciding to maybe uh, settle down, come back here, be here near where he was. Um, so that's really what made us um, give that some thought. We prayed about it for a whole year because uh, it's kind of a big deal to give up all that. Um, but uh, prayed about it for a year and then resigned from the Air Force and came up here. He worsens. Work really hard to get through all those schools. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of them. A lot of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. But obviously, God was pulling you this way. Yeah. Yes, and then it, uh, I still got to fly. Ended up with United Airlines and a wonderful career with them. Very, very grateful to God for that. And uh, got to travel all over the world, take my family everywhere. So uh, uh, we're very, very thankful for that um, as well. And did you go right into being a pilot for United? Uh, no, there was a little gap in there, but uh, uh, it took a while, but ultimately got there. You don't accrue a lot of flight hours as a fighter pilot as quickly. But, uh, <laughs> you're you're coming really fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you, a lot of miles, but not as many hours. Uh, but uh, uh, no, eventually ended up with United. Yeah. It's kind of funny you talk about your, your glide slope picture from gliders, then to speeding it way up to you know, F-15s, then back down to big yeah. buses. <laughs> yeah, a little funny story. I get I get in the simulator at United in a 727, first time in the simulator. And uh, I go to make a turn, and I turn the yoke to the right, and nothing happened. And I literally turned around and said to the instructor, I think the sim's broken. And then the airplane started to turn. <laughs> Was that much of a delay? I wasn't there? used to. <laughs> I mean, I'm used to in an F-15. You think about turning right, you're already turning. <laughs> yeah. You just thought the thought the thought process alone starts the turn, and, and I wasn't used to the delay and actually thought the simulator was broken. So it wow. took a while to make that transition. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. What's your uh, fondest memory from flying F-15s? Oh, my. Um, well, just some of the missions that were very rewarding. Um, flew in the Red Flag Wars out in Las Vegas, hundreds of airplanes, and uh, simulating a full-blown full-scale war with search and rescue and uh, every aspect, resupply. Uh, some of those were just amazing to be a part of, um, very humbling. Um, I was pretty young back then, a brand-new fighter pilot, and flew with some guys who were um, quite senior to me, had flown in Vietnam, had seen combat. Uh, they were kind of crusty old guys, but, uh, boy, I learned a great deal from them. Um, so... Uh, those are some of the fondest memories. Yeah. So you're back here in Colorado now. Yep. Right. You have how many children? 
got here, we had two. Then shortly after we got here, two more twins showed up. So, so within uh, within uh, one year of getting here, we had our our twins. So we had four, and we were attending the Meadowlark Church Christ up in Fort Collins. Wonderful memories there. Some very dear dear friends. Uh, well, those, as you guys know, those years when you're starting to raise small children, those are those are wonderful years with wonderful memories. So mm-hmm. um, we loved our time and. In Fort Collins, just a great, great experience. From Fort Collins, where did you go? Uh, Fort Collins, we ended up going down to, uh, um, well, a short time in Aurora, and then Castle Rock. Um, my father-in-law, again, was preaching there in Castle Rock, and we thought we want to be near him. And so we moved to Castle Rock and uh, worshiped there at the Castle Rock Church with him for a number of years. Loved our time there as well. Very, very dear friends. Um, there and then our kids were going to Douglas County um, public schools nothing against Douglas County schools but we just weren't quite thrilled with the sec- secular education so public we, school yeah yeah so we <laughs> we had heard about the school up here we didn't know anything about Northwest Church other than there's a school here so uh, our two oldest then were I think ninth and tenth grade and we thought well we need to check that out and, and uh, moved here for the school. Um, I wasn't a huge, uh, passionate uh, believer in, in getting him in a Christian school, but I'll tell you what, once I got him in this school and we moved here, I became so and decided I will live in a tent before I will take my kids out of, the, out of a Christian school environment. Just so, so grateful for the, the support when, when all aspects of our children's lives are pulling in the same direction. The school, the church, home are all going in the same direction. That was so important, and I didn't realize it until they were in the school. And then it, I really uh, became a huge advocate of the school, and all my kids graduated from here. Yeah, I graduated with one of them. Yeah, and you graduated with one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you had your final two here. Well, uh, yeah. After the twins, um, then well, actually, still in Fort Collins. Uh, our son Dave was born a couple years after the twins, and then, uh, uh, or four years after the twins, and then two years later, our youngest Ashley was born. So they were all born in, other than the two in the military, the other four were born up at Poudre Valley Hospital in Fort Collins, uh, and then we ended up down here. So, a uh, question we like to ask too is, uh, you know, what what really called you to be more involved in? in the Lord's body, uh, to be more, uh, I know a lot um, for some, for me, especially my children were a really big, uh, pull into that direction. Uh, something similar maybe happened to you, but I, like, what, what was really your calling into, I need to serve, I need to serve God. And that needs to be a really big, uh, part of my life. Well, that's a, it's a great question. I, I have to give most of the credit to that from, uh, to my father-in-law, Jack Carter, uh, I'll, have to, I'll get a little emotional when I talk about my father-in-law, but, uh, uh, and I don't even uh, uh, use the term very much. He was, a, he was a father to me. He was a dad. Um, uh, he encouraged me in so many ways in my spiritual life. One of the greatest gifts he gave me, though, was I was 29 years old, and he, he asked me about reading the Bible. And I had never, I'd been a Christian now for some time, I'd never read it cover to cover, um, and he encouraged me to do that, become what he called a daily Bible reader. 
become a daily Bible reader. He gave me a lot of suggestions and tips. He was a big believer in this and how to do it and how to be successful, how to, how to not give up uh, when, you, when you start that journey of reading your Bible. There's times you get discouraged. You get into the, some sections of the Bible and go, oh, man, this is tough reading. Numbers. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and then you get into the construction of the temple and how much of this. and oh, How many cubits? How many yeah, this is a little tough. Okay. <laughs> but he, uh, he gave some great advice. He said, first of all, this is reading. There's a time to study God's Word, and there's a time to read God's Word for the sheer joy of reading it. And I'd never appreciated that before. To me, it was a book you study like a textbook. I said, no, read it too. Um, you get to something you don't understand, make a note of it if you want, but keep going. You're not going to stop and dig into that and study it at this time. This is your reading time. He gave other advice, uh, and I want to share this because it's so valuable, uh, was to me, and I believe in it so much. Get a translation that reads easy. This is your reading time. He suggested for reading NIV, studied out of other translations, but uh, that's one of the easy to read. You don't want to try doing daily Bible reading with your King James Bible. You probably <laughs> give up pretty quick. Yeah, uh, I admire anyone who can do it. Uh, that was and find a time of day that works for you. Some people are morning people. Some are night people. Find a comfortable place. Get a cup of coffee, a cookie or something, and just make it a pleasant experience every day, something that you enjoy and look forward to. This is not a burden. Um, make it as pleasant as possible. That'll make you less likely to, to abandon it, give up. Those are all great suggestions. Uh, started doing that. And, uh, uh, and don't read too much. He said, read a little bit, maybe till you come across a thought. Stop there. Let that thought stay with you till tomorrow. Um, and don't give up. Um, and, and it worked. And started reading the Bible. Before you know it, you've read it cover to cover, and you don't even realize it. And the, his, his suggestion after that was start over, Genesis 1-1. And uh, then before you know it, as the years roll on, you don't recall how many times you've read through it. And just keep doing that. That if I had to pick one thing that changed my life more than anything else, it was that simple advice at 29 to start reading God's Word every day. Let God speak to you. You know, when you think about it, we're, we're sometimes better at prayer than we are at reading, and prayer is our way of speaking to God, and reading is God's way of speaking to us. When we don't read and we pray, we're saying, I want to talk to you, God, but I'm not maybe interested in what you want to say to me. And that's not a fair way to approach our Creator. So we want God... We want to give God time to speak to us as we speak to God. And, uh, and he does so, of course, through his word. So just wonderful advice. It was life-changing. The other thing I've mentioned about my father-in-law, he was a preacher, as I said, and I think one of, probably biased, but I think one of the finest preachers I have ever heard. He believed in inspiring people, um, challenging them as they prepared to face the coming week and all the... Um, all the challenges Satan would throw your way during the week. So he wanted to inspire and challenge. And if people only came away with one thought that might be on their mind Wednesday or Thursday, then he preached a successful sermon. So I got to sit at his feet, so to speak, in Castle Rock and other places and, and just listen to him preach every Sunday, Sunday night, teach Bible classes on Wednesday night. Um, and without even knowing, he was mentoring and he's training and I'm learning under him. So when congregations started asking me to perhaps teach a Bible class or to 
fill in and maybe preach a sermon. I just did what I saw my father-in-law do so many times. I, I copied his mannerism, his style, and said, I'm just going to do this the way he did it because uh, he did it so well. His sermons were usually short, uh, 20, 25 minutes, but they were powerful. And uh, you came away just wanting to do better. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that really got me involved. I kind of backed him up in Castle Rock, preached when he couldn't, taught Bible classes there. Um, I actually read through a Bible in a year at Castle Rock, did that together as a congregation, um, uh, doing his daily Bible reading idea. Uh, so he was really the big, uh, probably the biggest inspiration and in encouraging me to get more actively involved in preaching. Um, I would not want to do that full time. I admire you who, uh, who do that full time, <laughs> Alec, and uh, uh, I, I don't, I, that's a wonderful uh, ministry and, and service, uh, but I love filling in mm-hmm. and, and pitching in and helping out um, when needed. But yeah, my father-in-law was the probably the driving force in that. Never, never uh, uh, pushed it. He simply showed it. Um, didn't never ask me to teach or preach. Just uh, um, let me come to that conclusion on my own. Well, he knew that you had a, a servant's heart just yeah. due to the way you were, right? Military, all that. Yeah. And then being able to instill that love of the word instead of it being like your flight manuals or textbooks or what exactly. am I getting out of this? Like, yeah. And, and you really said it right. He, uh, and I think that's, that comes through the help of the Holy Spirit, just reading God's word. Uh, you are going to, I, I just can't see how you could not come to love God's word the more time you spend reading it and see the incredible love and uh, compassion God has for his creation. Yeah. And then you're just, you're having a conversation. Yeah. It's not a lecture. It's not yeah. a, uh, I have to do this. And yeah. I, I, I have a, I have a sermon, so be ready. It's, it's <laughs> remember he said short sermons are better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's on the most uh, uh, boring part of the Bible. So I've got a whole sermon just on a genealogy of Adam there in Genesis. And so, yeah. you know, people start reading the Bible Usually it's New Year's resolution. You know, we're in January here. A lot of people are starting that process, you know, go through and they get to these parts and they're just like, ugh, and they give up. You're right. And I like what you said there. It's like, just keep going. And you don't have to do an in-depth study on every little bit here. All you're doing is reading it because you want to have that back and forth conversation with your creator. You pray to him, you talk to him, You're, it's, and you don't want to have that one-sided conversation. And you want to have that, back and forth and so the scripture is how god does that so it's, that's great yeah and and as you guys know every every year there is something uh, not just one thing there are so many things you stumble across that you just never noticed before and you stop and give some thought to those i was reading about hagar this morning i, I admit i probably overlooked hagar because you're thinking about abraham sarah and isaac and hagar gets kind of pushed to the side, which is exactly what Abraham and Sarah did. But I started focusing on her a little bit. And my daughter in Phoenix encouraged me. She, she's inspired by Hagar and uh, learned a lot about her just thinking about what she went through. And I love what she named God, you know, El Roy, the God who sees me. Uh, what a wonderful name for God, the God who sees. Here she is out there abandoned, and a God that's not really even her God. She's Egyptian. But she, she is introduced to the God who sees um, and, and names her son the God who hears. 
Ishmael. Just a great story. I'd never really given much thought to. Just kind of pass over Hagar. She's not an important character in the story, but she really is. And very inspirational to anybody who might feel feel despondent and and, uh, maybe lost a little bit. There's... God went after her and found her and spoke to her. Um, pretty encouraging. Yeah, and that's one of the greatest things I love about Scripture is Scripture doesn't change, but I do. Every time that I read it, I'm in a different place. I'm, uh, I have had different experiences. All these things happen, and so you, you see different things out of Scripture that was, it was always there, but you have changed as a person, as a character, as, as who you are, and so you get more and more out of it every time you read it. And so, again, with our listeners, I encourage you, if you're, you're going through and you're reading Scripture, uh, just, just read it. And even if you have that mentality, well, I've read it before, I don't need to do it again, it's like, well, you've changed. Uh, maybe you'll get something different out of it this time around. <laughs> it, it's really interesting you mentioned that, Alec. One of the tips my father-in-law gave one time was, for those who highlight, and uh, I like to do that, he said, at the beginning of the year, Maybe take a color highlighter and write what year it is, and as you go through, highlight whatever touches your heart that year. Maybe the next year, use a different color and write the year next to that one. You know, you go back a few years later, and you look, and you wonder why I highlighted that passage back in 2014. And you go, oh, now I remember. I remember what was going on in my life. We were going through whatever. Maybe it was a particularly difficult year, and yeah, I... I remember why I highlighted why those passages meant something to me that year. So it's interesting to look back after after you've done this a while, and and uh, different passages might touch your heart differently based on where you are in your walk with God. So it was a it was a a, a fun and interesting uh, suggestion he gave. Eventually, you'll have a rainbow in your Bible. Yeah, you have a rainbow. Remember the promise. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Have you ran out of colors yet? (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah, and you know, just to be fair, that's not something I I've done every year. But uh, but funny that I I think of it because this year I I switched to blue, and this is going to be a blue year. Yeah, (laughs) I'm surprised you didn't use that one first coming from the Air Force. Yeah, I should (laughs) have. Another uh, kind of question and. Uh, theme that we have in our podcast is, uh, like I mentioned before we start recording, this idea of Second Timothy two to this Paul charging Timothy find these faithful men that are able to teach others. Also, we like to ask everybody uh, that we interview, uh, what advice would you give? What advice would you give us as we're you know starting with our our young children in the ministry, these types of things, or advice to people your age or 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 older or or anybody really. How do you how do you prepare yourself for service in the Lord's body, and then how do we encourage others to want to pick up the mantle, so to speak, and and keep this thing going, uh, so it doesn't it doesn't end? Uh, because we want to keep the Lord's body strong and healthy and and continue on, uh, and so we can you know be like like Paul and, and Timothy and saying, all right, well we found these faithful men, they're ready to go, we can you know pass the baton, so to speak, and we can keep keep this going. And keep that fire lit. It's a great question. One that I will be thinking about long after this podcast is over. Um, I really do believe, though, that we as Christians are um, we are transformed over time through the Holy Spirit. Um, we don't, at our baptism, rise up out of that water with all the attributes of the Holy Spirit that, 
that God wants us to walk in. It, we begin a transformation process that goes on, um, hopefully throughout our lives. Um, but one of the things that, that I think allows that transformation to, to move forward, and I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but it's spending time in God's Word. Um, when we want more of the fruits of the Spirit in our lives, we don't get them by nurturing the fruit Get them by nurturing the tree that bears the fruit. Tend to the tree and the fruit will follow. Um, I don't get more apples by focusing on the apples. I get more apples by focusing on the tree that bears the apples. And that tree is the Word of God and the Spirit of God. We draw closer to Jesus through His Word, and we will bear more fruit. Um, So that would be the first thing I would encourage people. Spend time in God's Word uh, and allow the Holy Spirit of God to transform us into who Jesus wants us to be. Um, from a practical point of view, um, start small. We, we may know people in our congregations, uh, the men in our congregation, for example, they're younger, and the thought of preaching a sermon uh, would be the scariest thing they could possibly imagine, or teaching a Bible class would be terrifying. And I get that, absolutely. Uh, maybe you start out, with reading a verse, one verse. And they do that and go, that wasn't so bad. I was able to get up there and read that verse and get down without having a heart attack. So that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, and next time, maybe a little longer passage, um, three or four verses, a paragraph. Um, how about a prayer? Maybe maybe Wednesday night, maybe when the crowd's smaller, start small. Get, get people comfortable with, um, with ministering, with leading, with teaching, uh, with praying. Uh, and it'll be a building block and process. And you work your way up, and maybe, maybe one time you don't ask, ask them that perhaps to teach an entire quarter. You say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be gone Wednesday or whatever. Uh, would you mind maybe taking this class that, that day? And they do one. You know, that wasn't so bad. And then over time... Um, with the help of the Holy Spirit, they can be encouraged to maybe consider a greater and greater role. Um, so I think small steps, uh, uh, mentoring people along the way. Um, and eventually, before you know it, they, uh, if they've taught a Bible class for 45 minutes to an hour, maybe they think, you know what, I could do a sermon because that's only 20, 25 minutes. Um, I think I could do that. And before you know it, there they are. It's help, just help second nature now. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but 20, you do have to 25 small. minutes. Yeah. 20, 25. It's <laughs> yeah. the biggest point of Watch it. <laughs> yeah, now you're meddling. <laughs> That's my job. Yeah. He's my brother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. No, I like what you're saying as far as the, the mentorship. You, you coming from a military background, understand that you were assigned a mentor and you were assigned to be a mentor. Yes. Depending on what stage you were in your career, I had the same thing when Mm -hmm. I was in. And I feel like that's something that we do it to an extent in the the Lord's body. But having those mentors, those people that, like you said, your father in law was a huge mentor to you. Having people that, you know, encourage you, pull you in, show you how to do these things, you know, push you to get up there and lead a prayer, read a scripture. That's something that we need to make sure we're constantly focusing on. You know, and Jesus did that with his disciples. I think about 
uh, when we read the Gospels, we see Jesus praying a great deal, mm-hmm. goes off by himself and prays a lot. You don't see the disciples doing a whole lot of praying. In fact, the few times he asked them to, they fell asleep. But you know what's interesting is after Jesus' resurrection, you see the apostles praying all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. So he showed them how to do it. He brought them along. He mentored them in praying, and, uh, and they, they did it. Yep, and it didn't stop. I mean, we were studying Acts chapter uh, 10, Cornelius and his whole household. They're baptized. All this, all this happens. The Holy Spirit descends upon them. Peter's there. I mean, it's this huge ordeal. Well, what, at the end of that chapter, what does Cornelius say? Stay with me. Stay with me a while. And what does Peter do? He stays with him. He mentors him. He helps him along. So it's, he's right out of the waters of baptism. He's on fire. He's ready to go. And Peter's like, I'm going to be here for you. I'm here to help you. And that's what Peter does. And then we read in chapter 11 that Gentiles everywhere are hearing this message now. It's all over the place. And so it's that mentorship, that, that part of it is very, is very key to, to, to biblical Christianity. <laughs> Absolutely. I think a lot of the letters the apostles wrote, I think of 1 Peter, and he, he's mentoring to these congregations in those letters, encouraging them to stay faithful. The persecution's coming. He's mentoring them and guiding them. Mm-hmm. He hasn't given up on them. We don't just go establish a congregation and, and walk away and leave them to their own devices. We, we uh, encourage and uh, mentor uh, uh, throughout our lives. Do you have any closing thoughts? No, none that come to mind. I'm very grateful to you, uh, both of you, for doing this. I think it's wonderful, um, great ministry. Um, and I hope uh, if it does nothing else but encourage people to become more involved in, in teaching and um, praying and, um, and leadership, uh, it will be so well worth it. Um, the church needs leaders, um, and God expects us to, to do our part. Um, and uh, we have no excuse, I think, for not finding a way yep. to serve. Um, and this might be very encouraging to people. Yeah, we're not told if we serve, it's right. how we serve. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. Fulfill your role. <laughs> that's, yep. that's true. And and people, I think uh, we we should mention that there are so many ways to serve. For those who don't feel comfortable serving in in one way, perhaps God will have them serve in another. But uh, if we look, we'll find ways to serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because of basically Christianity is service. <laughs> however, we, however way you look at it, we're we're serving God. We're serving each other. We're it, it's all about service. And so find a way to serve in your congregation, in your community. Uh, and like you're saying, baby steps, yeah. start small. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually just become that second nature to where this is what we do. Cause that's, that's who we are as our character. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you all for doing this. Yeah. We really found a lot of encouragement from your story. I really like the, the point of just read the scripture just to enjoy reading it. Yeah, well, that's something I'm going to take with me for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. My father-in-law would be happy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's been a it's been a blessing. We really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you.